our guest speaker today is uh, a champion by the name of Hansi Reinecke. Uh Pastor Hansi, uh, I got it right, Reinecke, I deserve Bultong for that. Um, uh, pastor Hansi is a lead pastor of our Every Nation uh, South Downs Church in Swanee. An amazing man. His wife went to campus school with my wife. Uh, and what I really have appreciated about this man, whenever I come around him, I always feel like he's a great coach to me. His words, his heart, his love is amazing. And I really believe that he has a word for us as a people, as a congregation today. And so I want to ask you to open your hearts and open your Bibles as you welcome to the stage, Pastor Hansi Reinecke. guys. What a privilege to be finally invited to Every Nation Rosebank. What a great church. Uh, sorry. Do I believe something that you don't? What a great church. Okay, 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 okay. Not, not that much. Okay, so <laughs> no, this is a great church. You know what? Um, I'm so grateful to, to be here to see what, what God is doing in this congregation. Um, we are secretly following what you guys are doing to see how God is using you. I was privileged to be a fly, a silent fly on the wall four years ago when the, you had the leadership of Joe Bonifacio um, and Otto Bernardo and Michael Baderes to come and brainstorm to say, how are we going to change the direction of where we are at so that we can be more effective in reaching the, this city and I was on that wall, and I heard those conversations, and I heard the burning issues, and I've been following you and seeing what God has done in this church, and it is incredible. Guys, you have great leaders. Uh, guys, I, I've been working with Pastor Simon um, on church consulting. We've been helping other churches, and to see his heart, his humility, and the rest of the leadership is incredible. Um, I, I have one offense. <clears throat> okay, two. Two. Maybe three. Okay, the first one is, um, we really wanted Seviwe and Marsha to join us in, in Pretoria, and they just refused. Okay? So, so then I, we, I spoke to Lereko since he thought that he could play some rugby, and then we invited them. We said, we're going to have some touch rugby, and he brought a bunch of guys to come and play in Centurion in Pretoria. Pretoria. Blue Bull. Varelt. You know what happened? They almost beat us at our own game. So, <laughs> but it was amazing. You know, so, but I want to say it's, it's incredible to be here. Um, this is a picture of my family. Um, you will see on the left is Marinus. He's my Easter Buffel beer. He's my, he's my lion. He's uh, passionate. I mean, he does everything strong. I, I mean, he came to a point where he said, Dad, I want a dog. And I said, okay, if you want a dog, first learn how to swim. Okay, and I know some of you don't even want to go there. Um, and the second thing is, I said, okay, learn to ride a bicycle without the extra wheels. And he did it within a month. So we have a dog called Sebastian now. <laughs> and um, that's me. And then that's my, my lovely wife, Marna. Um, I met Marna on campus in Poch. And I looked at her and I thought, man, there was a stature in this woman. She was a a javelin champion in South Africa, a record holder. She was the, uh, the champion of the Gladiator TV series. She won the whole series, went to world championships, came second. And I thought, I wanted to marry a challenge. <laughs> Boom. 
Bad thing is, she can throw a javelin, she can wrestle, and she owns her own pistol, so I can't get away. So, and that's my little princess, Abigail. Um, Abigail is seven years old. Um, you know, the amazing thing is, we've been praying for her. She's been invested in a lot by some of the leaders in this church. And um, she came and she started talking about, I want to come to Jesus. You know, I want to learn about more about Jesus. And, and about three months ago, we were sitting on the bed about to do Bible study to, uh, together. And she said, you know what, Daddy? I want to pray for something. You're going to think it's funny. I said, what is it? She said, I want to pray that Jesus will speak to me more clearly and that I will be able to, to go and share with other people about him. And when she shared that, I just felt God say, lay your hands on her and pray for her for the filling of the Holy Spirit. I prayed for her, laid my hands on her breast, and she started crying. You know what? <laughs> so she, she ran off, and I called her back. I said, Abby, I saw you started crying. I said, tell me, what happened? She said, Daddy... When you laid your hand on me, I felt so warm. I felt a love fill my heart. I felt so free. I think Jesus came into my life. You know? <laughs> Come on. So she really she accepted Jesus. <clears throat> and the next week she said, I want to be baptized. That very next day, she started reaching out to some of her friends that were literally um, accusing her of a lot of stuff, and she was being ridiculed by them, and she reached out to them, said, can I tell you what happened to me? And when they said, no, we believe in Jesus, but did you experience him? You know, if I look at this and I share this with you, um, think of where I come from. When I was two years old, the very first thing I can remember of my real dad is how he hit me out of the way so he could get to my mom so he could beat her. That's the very first picture I remember of my dad. And then soon afterwards, my mom had to divorce my dad because of this situation, and she had to look for a job, so she became a matron in a hostel, uh, in a hostel at one of the schools in White River. So she started walking, working in the mornings, 4 o'clock, and at night she came back maybe 7 o'clock. So I was raised by the maids in the hostel. So then later on, tw when I was 12 only, for the first time my mom got married for the first time, and again... And now for the first time I had a dad. So I grew up without a dad. And then for that, the remainder until I finished with school was, um, it was filled with abuse, with anger, with fighting. You know, parents, when they start fighting, it's like, you put the cup upside down. Oh man, you're an idiot, man. Look at how ugly you are. You're so fat, man. I mean, they start to fight about stuff, you know. It's like, man, you're like children. And what happened is we would stand outside the gate with my friends and I, we're on our way in my home and I say, sorry guys, we can't go in because it's, um, it's that time again. You know, so, and we were so poor, the, old, uh, the poor people thought that we were poor. You know, it, it was a harsh situation in which I grew up. Now looking at that and telling you this story, This is grace. I, I'm not a good father today because I'm a good father. I'm a good father because I have a good father. You know, 
I can be a good father and a good husband towards my wife because of what Christ has done. There is no reference, nothing else that I can point to to say, I am something because I did A, B, and C. It is because of His grace, because of His favor. Why I'm sharing that with you is because many of you can relate with my story. Many of you can relate. You grew up in poverty. You grew up in brokenness. You grew up without a dad. You grew up with abuse. That was like the norm in your life and the way you are brought up. And you were facing challenges. And many of you are thinking, man, I don't know if I should get married because. Or will I be able to be a good dad or a good mom? But I'm just seeing that God is saying it is not about you. You know, guys, and as I was preparing and praying, I've been really struggling to, in my heart to say, what is the word that God wants to give? But I really want to encourage you guys that it is about Him. And we really believe in you guys. And many times we say we believe in the kids um, because it's important to do. No, we believe so much in you as a generation and you as a city and you as a church in this city that without you, we cannot reach the future. Guys, you are needed. You have a future. Now, I want to share with you a, a short word this morning. And, sorry, this evening. We have a morning service. I think it's jet lag. So, <clears throat> Matthew 11, verse 11 to 12. says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women... There has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Whom of you have not been born of a woman? Okay? So, some, from those born of a woman, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, as I... As I want to share with you, this, this passage is something that's been resonating in my heart for the for a remainder of years. And he, he starts and he's opening this case and he's saying, there is none greater than John the Baptist. None greater. But yet he is least in the kingdom. The starting point. The, you take your first step into the kingdom. Abigail, my daughter, went into the kingdom. She's already greater than John the Baptist. Now, just look at, at the, the hall of fame that we're being compared with. You're talking about David. A man after God's heart. You're talking about Samuel, a man of righteousness. You're talking about Moses. And now suddenly this Mfuetu comes in and he, and he suddenly is, he is the greatest man. Now what happened is there was from Malachi to, to the New Testament where Jesus started, he made his appearance, there was a 400 years of silence. No word of God, no prophecy, nothing. 400 years. And after that 400 years, in come this, this uncompromising, rugged man of God that would say that I will come in and I will speak the truth. And he was the one preparing the way of the Lord before Jesus to come in so that people can repent and receive the kingdom of God. You're talking about the greatest man that has walked on this earth. Whom of you can say that you have baptized Jesus? Now that's on his resume. Yet he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. You know why? It's because even if he was coming in and preparing and breaking the silence 
and preparing the way to say what was about to come, he was talking on this side of the cross. He was talking about and pointing towards something that the Lord told them that you are so in trouble that you need help. It showed them their sinfulness. And then the prophets came and they said, stop with the sinfulness, otherwise you'll be damned. Or if you keep with the conditions, you'll be blessed. But the Savior is coming. So it was pointing to something that was about to come. But Jesus came, the word was fulfilled, the law and the prophets was fulfilled in Christ on the cross, and from there on, we are living from this side of the cross. Guys, we are not looking at our own performance. We're looking at the resurrection power of Christ. We're looking at the one that has conquered sin, conquered Satan, death, insecurities. You're talking about the forgiveness of sins. You're talking about a new life that was presented. So based on what Christ has done, there is no one greater than John the Baptist, yet he is least in the kingdom, would be greater than him. Guys, it's not about you. It is not. It's never been. See, and this is kingdom living. This is living on the other side of the cross. This is living from the fulfillment and the wake of the cross of the finished work of Christ. See, but now he comes and he says that the king, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. But violent men take it by force. So there is a kingdom that's been established. And he's saying that since then, the kingdom of God is suffering violence, but violent men are taking it by force. So there is a violence that we are facing. So many times people look at the kingdom, and we have to say for ourselves, what is the kingdom? The kingdom, many times, I've been in prosperity churches where we name it, frame it, and we claim it. And then what we say is... Um, God says that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And therefore, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Go and unlock. Whatever you unlock in earth will be unlocked in heaven. Whatever you unlock in heaven will be. And man, we go into the world and we lock and unlock doors like crazy because the problem is out there and we're going to conquer it. That's not the problem. The problem is not out there. We have to ask ourselves, what is the kingdom? Now, Jesus was saying <coughs> in Luke 7 verse 21, he said, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor can, we, can they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So guys, the kingdom needs to be established. Now, here's the thing. The problem is not out there, and we have to go and be the solution. No, the problem is in here. And help has to come from outside to change us. You are not your solution to your own problems. Christ is. And you need a Savior to break through your barriers and your fears and your sin so that He can come and make His home within you. And He manifests Himself and from that point you live. That's the kingdom. And He's saying that that kingdom is suffering violence. That kingdom within you is suffering violence. Guys, think of the insecurities you face, the fears, the pride, the sinfulness. Think of the voices that you hear saying, no, that you, you won't be able to be a good dad or a good husband or you won't be able to be a success in this business. You won't um, pass your studies. 
Look at what upbringing came from, what poor education. The kingdom of God suffers violence. But violent men, violent men take it by force. There is a place where we see a problem. And that is a kingdom that is suffering violence. And there is something that is suffering. And here's the thing that is suffering. It is your heart. Your heart is suffering violence. Because we have the spirit. When you are born again, this is, your, this is made new. And you receive a new spirit. And this is a non-physical part of your life that will continue on for eternity. When Jesus saved you, when you surrendered your life, He said that you have been justified. Justification. Justification. Just as if I cation. Just as if I never sinned. So when you come to Christ, He said you are justified. That's the only way I can remember it. Okay? So... You have been justified. He looks at you and says, I don't know your past. It's been swept away. He says, you are a new creation. But now you have the body, which is your five senses. And thank God that this tent will someday just, someday just die. Okay? Because I, I really struggle to keep with diets. Okay? I really struggle to get to the gym. But then there's the other part. And that is your soul. That's your will, your emotions, and your intellect. Your will, your emotions, your intellect, your thoughts, what you carry in your heart. When I speak about certain things, it, it triggers some emotions in your heart. Why? Because it's all the experiences and the fears and uncertainties is locked inside of your soul. And that is the part that God is making new. He is changing you inside out. But He already said, you are already justified and made holy. Now I'm going to shape you in what I already called you to be. He's not saying, now come on, you better be better, you better start to read your Bible, otherwise you're not going to be holy. No, he's saying, you already are. Now let me do it in you. So that's what the gospel does. So here's the thing, guys. We have a struggle in our hearts. And that struggle is in our soul, your will, your emotions, and your intellect. Now it's not for you to go all about right thinking, and I better renew my mind the whole time, which is important. But if renewing the mind could change it, then we can just have a renewing your, renewing your mind course and all of us will be settled. That's not the problem. You need help. Now, why do we suffer violence? Why does the kingdom suffer violence? Why do we struggle? Why can't we live in humility and authority of the cross? Why can't we live on the other side of the cross in the victory and the greatness where God said, no man greater than John the Baptist, yet you who are least will be greater than him. Now think of what John the Baptist did. And think of your life. Does it compare? And that's where God is calling us into. Now Martin Luther said, the first commandment is the first commandment because it's the first commandment. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? He says, no one breaks any of the commandments without first breaking commandment number one. Now, what's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And then you go and you look at the, the following commandments, and he says, do not lie. Now, guys, think of the last time you lied. I know it's difficult, but <laughs> it's... <clears throat> think of the last time you lied. It's not that you lied. The question is, why did you lie? 
You see, I don't lie because I really like lying and it's just, sorry, I just lied. Um, No, you lied because something else more than Jesus captured your heart and that's why you lied. You lied because you wanted to look good. You lied because you didn't want to be out of control. You lied because you wanted to be significant. So significance and approval and control was in the source of your heart and not the worship of Christ. If you covet, why do you covet? Why is it that you want your neighbor's car? Well, in my case, I don't want my neighbor's car. Um, he, can, he can keep his car. I love my bucky. Why is it that we covet? It's not that we covet. It's like, wow, that's a nice woman. Wow, she's really beautiful. No, you look at her because you are wanting something from her that you actually need to get from Christ. There is a place where we live from devotion but guys, why, are the, why is the kingdom of God suffering violence? Because there's something that you want more than Christ. We lose sight of the gospel. We lose sight of the fact that He saves, that He is enough. We try to save ourselves. The reason is that we forget the gospel. We don't understand the gospel. Now guys, a few years ago, um, 2014, I was in a miserable state. I was really confronted with a lot of insecurities in my own life, and um, I just couldn't deal with it. And I was praying, and I said, listen, just like um, I think I read the wrong book, and I took um, Winston Churchill, and he said, I declare war on my weakness. I said, I'm going to declare war on my insecurities. So I started facing those insecurities, and the moment I would face something, I would open it up and talk about it. But I didn't see the complete change, but I was really adamant at it. Because the kingdom of God suffers violence, but violent men take it by force. But it still didn't work. So do I try harder? What do I do? Then we had a a leadership moment where we spoke about sonship. And we spoke about about the northal spirit, which is a hireling spirit or an orphan spirit or or a, um, um, a slave spirit. And the other side, sonship. And when I listened to the whole aspect, and I came to the point where I said, okay, there's something wrong with me. I don't understand my sonship. So what now? So I had a walk with Mark Ashfield, and he's always clever. He takes you for a very long walk until you're very tired and you can't talk anymore, and then he just zooms in. So I said, listen, um, this is where I'm at, and he had a lot of conversation, a lot of questions. I came to a point where he said, Hansi, you are so secure that there's one area of your life where there's a wound, but I see it goes very deep. You know what that wound is? He said, yes, yes, I know. What is it? No, I don't know. <laughs> but, but I can relate that I'm wounded. He says, here's your problem. You don't understand the gospel. It's like, duh. Um, I'm preaching every Sunday. I read my Bible. I, I know the gospel. Sorry, maybe it's something else. But something resonated in my heart. Guys, the gospel is not just a past event. It's not just something that happened and now you have to keep on working for your salvation. It is Christ doing the work in you. So I was flown to the Philippines to go and check um, what's happening there like everybody does. We go there to check the discipleship and the family and the heart. And what a privilege to go there. And I was booked for one appointment with Paul Barker. He was doing a teaching on Christ and a preaching. And I said, I'm just going to go the first hour. The rest of the day I have other plans because we preach the gospel. And I sat there and he started speaking about the gospel saying, 
we look at Jesus being our guide. Jesus wept, so we weep. Jesus was generous, so we are generous. Jesus discipled, so we, we are disciple. Jesus is not your guide. He said he is your savior. Because there is a standard that is asking of you to fulfill, but you cannot reach it. That's why you have to come to the place where you know that you can't reach it. You need Him, and in Him, He changes your heart. And an outflow of a changed nature will take place. I canceled the rest of my day, and I sat there, it was like weeping. <laughs> but guys, I realized for the first time in my life, I don't know what the gospel is about. And it started a journey in my life where I said, let's pursue the gospel. Now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, but violent men take it by force. Now, guys, many of you think that if you're not going to fight hard enough, you're going to lose the kingdom. It's like because the kingdom of God suffers violence, but violent men take it by force. And you think deep in your mind that you have to put a lot of work into it because otherwise God's going to take the kingdom away from you. And that is a self-righteous religious process of thinking that it's all about you. Now think of my wife and myself. Uh, you know, although she's strong and beautiful um, and soft-hearted, man, she can put up a fight. <laughs> so sometimes we'll, we'll have arguments and disagreements. Now when we have a fight, am I not divorced suddenly? No. So then I have to come back and make right and then we're married again. I mean, get the roses and the bouquets and the dress and the friends and everything. No, it's ridiculous. So you're not divorced every time you have a fight. So how come you think that you are unchristian when you've sinned? What happens when my wife and I are facing a fight and we face disagreements, what we do face is a break in relationship. And I come back and I say, lovey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Is it good because I acknowledge it? <laughs> okay. okay. Now, <laughs> at our men's ministries, I always say to the guys, listen guys, you always accept you're, you're wrong. Even though you're 99% wrong. Okay, all the men say. <laughs> all the women say. Now you should say thank you. <laughs> now the thing is, guys, Christianity is, is more like adoption. Coming into the kingdom where he's facing violence, it's more like adoption. You know, I have family and friends that have adopted children, and it's a beautiful process. And uh, I don't know if some of you have been adopted. To look at this process, if a son or a daughter has been adopted, and they come into this new family They've been building a relationship. They don't run into that house, fall on the sofa, and say, Hey, Dad, can we watch some TV? Can we go to the movies? Uh, what's in the fridge? And then they go to the fridge, and they open the fridge up, and they start eating from the fridge, you know, like the rest of us do. They don't do that. When someone is adopted into a family, there is a place where they will find themselves sitting uncomfortably on their new bed, trying to figure out this new family, what would be acceptable, what would not. Would they like me? Would they not? What would they do if I did something wrong? Will they cast me off? Will they reject me? What happens if I sin? What happens, what happens if, I, if I make mistakes? So coming into a new adopted house, you relate more to the past than your new family. 
You know why? Because you, you sit here, it's new for you. But on this side of the cross, or this side of a family, you come and you think, yes, but I remember how we rebelled, and I remember how we sinned and everything, and how we did our own thing. Man, this is our family. You don't relate to a healthy family. So why would I go there? I don't trust that. I might be rejected. So adopted children will face a wrestle, and they will face violence in their hearts. But how do they break through it? It's by having conversation. By saying, listen, I feel uncomfortable. I feel unsafe. I feel vulnerable. I don't know what is acceptable from you and not. I don't know when you're going to reject me. This, it's in opening up which will be the biggest barrier that there will be breakthrough and intimacy. Now why this is important is if you look at Ephesians 2, you know, many times we, we look at our people and we say, oh man, I have this Muslim in my workplace. If only he believes in Jesus, he's going to be incredible because he already has the stature of work ethics and he's strong and principled as if the only thing you do short is just shout for Jesus. Just shout for Jesus. That's all you need. No, that's not true. What we see in Ephesians 2, it says, You were strangers and aliens. You were sons of disobedience, children of wrath. Without God, without hope, strangers of the, and aliens of the covenant of promise. But God, being rich in mercy, with the love with which He loved us, made us alive in Christ Jesus. And He sat us, and He seated us along His right hand, right hand in the heavenlies. That is our new position. He says that you no longer have the spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption by which you cry out, Abba, Father. But you're going to come into the kingdom and you're going to face violence in your heart because you're going to think that, why will God accept me? You will try to cover your sins and your fears. You will, you will try to be a better person so that He will accept you. But you know, in the Scripture, when they said that you have a new identity in Christ, they were referring to the old times when you had an identity, it was written on a slate. Your whole identity, your, all your credentials was written on a clay slate. But when you were adopted, the old slate was broken. Bah! A new slate was taken and your name and credentials with your new surname and your new family was written. Nobody could refer to the past. You have a new family. See guys, that is our position in Christ. But you will suffer violence. You will try to run away from God. You will look at yourself just like the lost son coming back and say, I'm not worthy to be a son and I want to work to be a son in the house. And he's just ignoring it. Because if you've been a son, you are a son. That's your position. So it's in prayer and supplication and in opening up and making ourselves vulnerable and in discipleship that we get the truth into our foundations so that we can understand our position and our new identity in Jesus. That is the suffering that we are facing because you really don't understand the gospel and you really want to try and save yourself. But you don't have to. You see, P.J. Smythe said something incredible that he cracked the enamel of my front teeth. He said, when you were saved, salvation broke the penalty of sin over your life. 
Now the gospel is breaking the power of sin over your life. Guys, it is in pressing into God. You've been saved. And many times you don't relate to the new life. But in this new house, you have identity. You are called for greatness. You're called for kingdom living. You're called for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and the outworking of the word in your life into society. That's what God called us for. So it's in living this new life that we will see this, this fresh expression. But you will face challenges. And you will face uh, this kingdom that will be suffering violence. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Guys, when you were saved, you received a new life. You received a new life in Jesus. It's now in this new family being adopted into his, son, into his household, that you start to live and form and work out a new lifestyle in him. It's not in and out of this life the whole time. It is walking in the fulfillment of the cross. It is opening up, facing your fears, your wrestles. A.W. Tozer said, God will not be found by the casual inquirer. Now, guys, I was wrestling with my fears and, I, and my insecurities. I declared war on it. And I was fighting this for years because I know that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent men take it by force. Now, all of that was because of His grace. But I tried all the aspects until I came to the last door, which opened my life completely. And that's the gospel. You see... But when you're going to come to God casually, um, you know, I've discipled many people. And many times people come there and say, you know, I need prayer. It's like, okay, what do you need prayer for? No, I struggle with my Bible study. Okay, is there anything else? No, besides the fact that I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, no, there's nothing else. No. It's like, wow, okay. So you want to have deeper Bible study, but you don't want to let go of this sin. It is about coming to God and knowing that He will not be found by a casual inquirer. It is like Jacob holding and grabbing hold of him and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will seek your face. I will make myself, and then he says that I will make myself known by you if you will seek me with all your heart. It is a place where you embrace the kingdom. It is his rule, his leadership, his guidance. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you say clearly to us, Lord, that, the, that there is none born of a woman greater than John the Baptist, but yet all of us who are born of the kingdom, even if, if we are the least, we are greater than him. Not because of ourselves, but because of what you have accomplished. Lord, whatever we see in our lives is because of your grace. Lord, and tonight... I want to call every single person that is facing an orphan mentality, that are struggling to understand that they are adopted by you. They struggle to understand that you are an everlasting father. And they struggle to open up their lives. Maybe it's, that's you tonight, where you struggle to open up your sin, 
Now, insecurity is your fears because deep inside you feel that if you are going to reveal the true self, God is going to reject you. And now you're performing. But it's not working. You are tired and you are broken. Man, He is calling you. You know, where you're at, just stay with your eyes closed. There was a, an author, J.I. Packer, that was walking in, in town and he saw a, a father and his son walking hand in hand. And at a certain stage, he stopped and he picked up his son and he gave him a hug and he hugged him and he kissed him and he put him down took his hand after he whispered into his ear and he continued to walk. And J.I. Packer wrote in his book on that situation, it was a remarkable event in his life. He said that when the dad picked up his son, he was not more convinced of his sonship than before his dad hugged him. But when his dad picked him up, he experienced his position as a son. When his dad picked him up, he experienced his sonship. Now guys, for a long time, I've been walking with a lie in my own life where I believe that I'm a son in the house. But if I compare it with the other sons in the house, I'm not as son as they are. And I just sense God wants people to experience your position in Him. To understand that you are home. You have a father. And you are loved by Him. And if this has been talking to you tonight, and you know God is calling you to say, will you open your heart and be vulnerable in front of me and know that I will not reject you, but heal you? If that is you, would you respond to it? here today and you don't know Jesus you're far from God and in your heart right now there is violence taking place and you know that you need to give your life to him you need to be committed to Jesus you're saying man I want to do that today I want to give my life to Jesus if you're here and that's you would you be bold enough to respond right now to the gospel that never changes that always pursues, that always loves, that always declares God's goodness even in the midst of our weakness. If that's you, you want to just put up your hand wherever you are and say, hey, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anyone here saying that is me? Be bold enough right now and just lift up your hand and put it up. I want to pray with you and help you in the journey. Anyone here? Thank you. Well, Father, I thank you that all of us have found your grace. More importantly, your grace has found us. So Lord, we are so thankful. Thankful for you. Thankful for your presence. Thankful for your love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.